Uh, I have some words ready to say this morning, uh, and I hope that they make a difference. But actually what matters is what God says to you this morning, the interaction you have with God. So Lord, I pray this morning that whatever I say, that your words would come through. Lord, that you would make a difference in people's lives this morning. Thank you that you are here with us. Amen. Welcome to church. 2023. 2023. How many times have you made a mistake writing the date so far this year? A lot, yeah? <laughs> I've filled in a lot of things that apparently happened last January. Uh, <laughs> have you made, any, anyone made New Year's resolutions? Does anyone still do that? Anyone still made some resolutions? Do you know that the average date, according to uh, the statistics, for people to give up on their New Year's resolutions is January the 19th? <laughs> so if you're still going, well done. Well done. Keep going. That's awesome. <laughs> right, I am going to launch in this morning. This morning is not my typical kind of preach. I don't apologize for that. I really do feel like there's something to be said this morning. Uh, so I'm going to launch straight in with a story. And if you've been to Sunday school, you may know this story. You might not. Uh, I think I've got a little bit of a different twist on it. So this is the story of Joseph. Uh, this comes from Genesis 37, but I'm just going to tell the story. Uh, Joseph was one of Jacob's 12 sons. He was loved more by his father than the other sons. I never tell my sons that I have a favorite. Yeah, they can guess whether I do. <laughs> but he was, he was the favorite. He got a special Technicolor coat, robe. Uh, and Joseph, I'm, I'm, I'm going through this a little bit fast, but we, we need to because it's a long story, right? So Joseph had a prophetic dream. And in his dream, he dreamed that his family, his brothers, would bow down to him. All right? Cool dream. And what he did, which may not have been the wisest thing, was he went and told his brothers. And his brothers, of course, were super excited by this dream. <laughs> super excited. He had a second dream where not only his brothers would bow down to him, but also his mother and his father, his whole family, was going to bow down to him. And not having learned from the first time, he went and told his family this dream. And they were super, super excited to hear about his dream. So excited that his brothers threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery, and told his father that he'd been killed by a wild animal. Yikes. Yikes. I wonder, Joseph was 17 at this point. I wonder as a 17-year-old young man, he had a good relationship, God. I wonder what he was thinking when he was sitting in the pit. Probably something like, this wasn't quite how I saw this going. Aren't I supposed to be ruling about now? We're going to come back to Joseph in his pit in a, in a moment. But today's message is not my traditional start of the year message. I love to talk at the start of the year about vision and dreams and going after these things. In fact, some of my students point out to me how much I love to talk about these things at the start of the year. I'm going to do it again this year at, at school. Uh, but today's message comes because a couple of months ago, 
I had a wee tantrum with God. You see, God has spoken some cool things over my life that I hold on to and I believe and I'm looking forward to. Uh, but sometimes I get impatient. And I had a wee impatient moment with God. This should have happened by now. I'm too old. By the time this even happens, I'm going to be too tired for it to going to be any good anyway. And I had a wee rant, I confess. And praise the Lord, he is gracious. And he waited for me and he went there, there, there. And he began to talk to me about what to do when it's not your turn. Right? Yes, there are some amazing things coming in life. But what if it's not right now? What should I do? Yeah, so I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about some really practical steps. What, what are we going to do uh, next week? All right, kids go back to school next week. I know my sons are super excited about that. Yeah, I bet there's some excited parents. Yeah, there's some excited teachers. I'm really look, I look forward to the start of the year. Yeah, some of you may have just come back from holiday and you're about to start back to work. Yeah, and it can feel like, oh, yeah, 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 big dreams, big visions, but Monday. What do I actually do? So I want to talk about some practical things uh, that we should do. Before we get started, let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you care for us, that you have plans for each and every one of us, that the best is yet to come. Lord, I pray this morning that you would release those plans, that you would speak new dreams into people's lives, that this morning lives would be changed. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to be patient and to do these things in your timing. Lord, I pray you would take the pressure off us when it comes to these plans and that we would be able to trust in you for your ways of doing it. Thank you that you are such a good father. You love us so much. Amen. Okay, back to Joseph. He's in the pit, remember? He's in the pit. I like to think it was a Tuesday morning. I don't know why Tuesday just comes to me. It was a Tuesday morning. And he's sitting in the pit. And he's been sold into slavery. It's not quite going according to the whole bow down plan. So he gets sold into slavery. He's purchased by Potiphar. Potiphar is the captain of the guard for the Pharaoh who's in charge of all of Egypt. And uh, he impresses Potiphar by his hard work, his intelligence. And he eventually gets placed in a, a, a position of responsibility across the whole household. And I can imagine that Joseph might be thinking, okay, okay, I can see now. I can see the plan starting to, to fall into line, yeah? Things are finally going my way. No. No. See, so he has a wee run-in, and he says, scanning the room for young people. And there's a wee run-in with Potiphar's wife, who decides that she fancies Joseph, because he's a good-looking guy. And uh, he has to flee naked through the streets of Egypt. When I was looking for a slide, this was the most appropriate slide I could find of Joseph fleeing naked through the streets of Egypt. And Potiphar's wife is in the background accusing Joseph of all sorts of things. And you can imagine Potiphar, he's pretty angry about it all. And so he sends out the guards and Joseph is arrested and thrown in jail. Back in the pit. This is the cleanest, driest jail I've ever seen. Um, but he's thrown back in jail. It's quite possible that Joseph at this point would have been justified in having a wee pity party. 
you know. It's not even his fault. And his plans are going nowhere. He's back in jail. This is not right. But he doesn't do that. He gets on with his life. He works hard. And the head of the jail quickly realizes this is a smart, intelligent young man. And he takes him on as his right-hand man in, in charge of the jail. Yeah, it's only a jail. But Joseph's working with what he's got. Eventually, he gets a break. The Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker get thrown into jail. Apparently, palace life is it's a challenging thing. And they have these dreams which Joseph is able to correctly interpret. Yeah, a bit of a spoiler alert. The cupbearer gets released and returned to his job. And the baker... It's not so good. He gets hanged. Later, the Pharaoh himself has two dreams that no one can interpret. And the cupbearer remembers this guy, Joseph, and he gets summoned out of jail, and he's able to correctly interpret the Pharaoh's dreams. He predicts seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Now, this is the point of the story that I want to bring up this morning. At this point, Joseph is 30. Just let that settle for a minute. 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 13 years. 13 years since he had this dream, these two dreams that he was going to be a ruler and people would bow down to him. 13 years where he's been thrown in a pit. He's been in jail. Things have happened to him that weren't his fault. And he had to just keep going for 13 years when it wasn't his term. What's the moral of the Joseph story? Well, if I remember my Sunday school lessons correctly, it's never tell your brothers that you're better than them. <laughs> no, it's this. You don't know what's going to happen in your life. God does have plans for you. Absolutely. You don't know when they're going to happen because he has the perfect timing for those plans. What we need to do is to trust in God and his timing. Yeah? That's what I take from the story. When I uh, practiced this preach with my brother, he warned me that he knew where a pit was. <laughs> but you see, we've got a bit of a problem because in our current world, we live in this age of instant gratification. I love this. I'm going to sign up for this. The zero mile fun run on your marks. Get set. Go. Okay, come and get your t-shirt. Sounds good. See, if, if we want something now, we can usually get it easily and quickly. If I wanted a book in the past, I might have to go to the library and find the book and get it. Now I, just, I can just download it on my phone. I've got it within seconds. If I want food, I don't even have to prepare it. I don't even have to go and get it. Usually someone, I can get someone to bring it to me. We live in this world where everything is supposed to happen now. And then we get self-help books that say, you can be successful now. You can have your dreams right now. Just follow these 12 easy steps. Send, no, well, send some money. We live in this world. Can you remember the last time you were bored? Can you remember the last time you were bored? If I get bored now, I just take out my phone and I have instant entertainment. Books, games, yeah, 
At this point, one of my sons tells me, an old person will usually present a monologue about how they remember when they were a boy. We were never bored. I used to have a feather and a brick and we would play for hours. One moment we were storming the castle with just a feather. The next we were sailing on a brick with a feather. <laughs> we were never bored. And when we were bored, oh, it was character developing. <laughs> I remember as a child being bored. It was boring. <laughs> it wasn't fun. I wonder, I wonder if Jesus had to deal with boredom. Think about Jesus' story for a moment. You see, he was born into this moment of wonder and miracle. You know, prophecies being fulfilled all over the place. A star appearing in the sky. Wise men traveling across the world to see him. You know, and then nothing. 30 years. 30 years before his ministry begins. We don't know a lot about his, his early life. We, we, can, we can get a little bit from the sort of the traditional history, but he probably spent his first 12 years at home, faithfully doing his chores and looking after mum, yeah, like children do these days. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have to go to school. School didn't exist. Uh, and then when he was 12, dad would have had that conversation that my father had with me. It's time to get a job, son. Contribute. And he would have gone off to learn his father's trade. Yeah, a carpenter. I hope he enjoyed it because he had to do it for 18 years. Yeah, 18 years of Mondays, getting up, going to work, putting the tool back in the right place, having the lecture from dad, if I've had that tool for 25 years, give it to you kids. Now Jesus, of course, walked intimately with his father. He would have understood the timing that it had to be exactly right. But for me, 18 years of learning to be a carpenter, I'd have struggled. I'd have complained. I might have been bored. What if this year, and I need you to hear me carefully here, I am not speaking this over anyone's life, but I'm asking this as a question. What if this year isn't the year where all of your dreams come to fruition? What if this year is a year of preparation? Is a year of patience. Yeah? That, what, what if this year God's timing is, I want you to get up, I want you to go to work, I want you to be faithful with your family, I want you to go to church every Sunday, and I want you to trust me. Yeah, it's not my normal message for the start of the year, but what if it is? What, what if we are like the proverbial Warriors fans? <coughs> oh, this is our year! It's not your year. <laughs> This year, no. It's not. <laughs> what do we do? What do we do when it's not our turn? Well, you're in luck. I have some suggestions. Okay. So, I want to start with some things that you should not do. All right, things not to do. You might want to write these down, or they're in the notes if you're out there. Uh, the first thing is from the very start of the Bible. Man, the first eleven chapters of the Bible are amazing. So, for those of you that haven't read it, I'll give you the quick synopsis. God has created the heavens and the earth. It's a big thing to skip over, but he's created the plants, the animals, humans. He's put them into 
the garden and their job is to co-rule over the earth with God. And all they have to do to not stuff it up is to not eat from one tree. That's it. All right, and we read about it in Genesis 3. I'm going to start with the serpent. The serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? I could preach for a week on that. No, God didn't say that. And the woman said to the serpent, Ah, we can eat from the fruit of the trees of the garden, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle, God said, You shall not eat from it, or you will surely die. Now, let's imagine for a moment we're Adam and Eve. God has called us to co-rule with him over the earth. What are we going to need? We're going to need some wisdom and some knowledge. Yeah, We're definitely going to need that. That's going to be a good thing. So you can imagine looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're going to look at that and go, actually, that's, that's going to be really useful. I need that. And in comes the serpent. Did God really say? You see, when Eve was making the decision about whether to eat from that tree, she wasn't making a decision about ultimate good and ultimate evil. She was making a decision about ultimate good and trusting in God and another good thing, wisdom, knowledge. Yeah? The sin wasn't choosing to be evil. The sin was choosing to take the good thing that God had created in her own strength. And this is the first thing we must not do. Yeah, God has called me to this. Great. The timing's not quite going how I planned. Ah, I know how to fix it. I can make this happen. I can do this. If I just adjust this or go this way. Or, and we get stuck into making the plan work in our own strength without God. And we see from that first, first story in the Bible, didn't go so well. Yeah, when we try to take it in our own strength, that's where we go astray. There's a whole wonderful preach in there about some words. It says that Eve saw that the fruit was good. She saw that it was desirable for gaining wisdom and she took it and she ate. If you ever want to do an amazing Bible study, look for those words, saw, took, and ate. And they come up again and again and again. And it's always where people try to take things in their own strength apart from God. It never goes well. So number one, the I know better response. Don't try and do that. Do you think that Joseph was tempted to make the plan work in his own strength? I'm sure he was. Do you think he might have been tempted to manipulate the situation with Potiphar's wife to his own advantage? I'm sure he was. But he didn't. He stayed true to the promise that God had made for him. He chose to go in God's timing. Now, the second thing we must not do is what I call the wallow response. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It doesn't say, yea, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will sit down and make camp. And I will look at the death and complain endlessly about the death. 
and just be in the death? No. There are going to be some tough times. Maybe they're coming this year. Maybe not. Keep walking. Don't sit down in it and wallow. You can keep walking, not because we're amazing and we're strong and we can do it just by saying the right words, because God is walking with us. Don't sit down and wallow in it. I imagine when Joseph was in the prison or in the pit, it would have been so tempting to just sit there and wallow, to have a good old tantrum like I did. It wasn't even his fault. I bet no one listened to him when he said, it's not my fault. Yeah, sure, it wasn't in the prison. He didn't do that. He chose to get on to show that he was an intelligent, hardworking young man, and it worked for his benefit. Now, there's a flip side, and it's kind of something that we particularly maybe have to be careful in a a Pentecostal evangelical kind of church. And it's the flip side to the wallow. It's the just pray harder. You know, things aren't going right. God's plan isn't, isn't working for you. Well, it's because you don't come to church often enough. And how many hours are you praying a day? Is that all? What did you tithe? You know, we can get into that. Oh, if I, if I just pray harder, if I, if I sing louder, if I tithe more, if I volunteer for more things, I'll make it work. And I need to do more. You don't need to do more. What a relief. God doesn't just have a plan for you. He also has the resource for it. He has the strength for it. Yeah, your job is to trust him. Take that pressure off ourselves. I thought about this uh, over the weekend with all this rain in Auckland and, and my family are up there and flooding and damage and loss of life. This is serious. You know, it's easy to look around New Zealand, to look around our world. You know, we're in a difficult financial situation as a country. There are wars going on around the world. You know, and I find I can get myself wound up by these things quite easily. And I just had this thought. It's like, God, don't you know about these things? He knows. Oh, but I'm so worked up, I'm so worried, I'm so anxious. And that I had this moment. Do you think God is worried? Do you think God is anxious? He's concerned. He cares. The Bible tells us very clearly God is gracious and compassionate. That means he cares about the things that we care about. He feels those painful emotions that we feel. But he's not worried. He's not anxious. He hasn't run out of ideas. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. We don't have to fix it in our own strength. The last one, the did God really say. This comes from what the serpent said right at the start. Did God really say? You know, oh yes, he's called you to be a pastor. He's called you to be a worship leader. He's called called you to be the CEO of a big business to make millions of dollars that you can then use to help others. And the devil loves to get in there and go, "Mm, did he really though? Is that what he really said? Because look at your circumstances. You're in a pit. Did you really say that? This is why it's so important when someone speaks over our life that we write it down and we take it to someone we trust. We get it checked. Because when you're in that pit moment, and you'll be in a pit moment at some point, you can go back to it. No, God told me this, and I believe it. 
And these people that I trusted, they prayed about it, they verified it. I choose to stand on that. Yeah, we have to be able to resist the devil. Ian spoke about this last week, last week, the week before. Resist the devil, he will flee. Yeah, don't get caught up in that second guessing, trust. Don't give up on God's plan because it isn't going your way. And this is where I got to earlier in the month. God, I know you said this, but it's not going how I saw it. And it's not going how I planned it. <laughs> oh, I'm embarrassed to the words that I said. Praise the Lord that he is gracious. All right, so two things that you can do while you wait. And uh, you'll know that I'm a teacher. Don't put this slide up yet. Uh, so I have an object lesson. Just bear with me, camera, while I grab my object lesson. I have to stand in the right place so that the camera can see. Okay, now if you've seen this before, just bear with me. This is not mine, I have borrowed it. If you think these are nerds lollies, they're not. These are the rocks from the bottom of a fish tank. Okay, here is my object lesson. This jar represents our life. Alright? And these wonderful, colourful, nerds-like stones... Represent all the things we got to do. Now, I've got school starts this week, and so there are a lot of things buzzing around in my head that I need to do. And we put these things in our lives. You know, and, and actually, I, I need to go for a run, because that's, that's good for me, and I should, I should do a bit of that. Uh, and actually, I, oh, that's right, I've got to remember to, to get the chicken out for dinner tonight. And... Uh, Oh yeah, there's that essay I haven't finished writing. And uh, did anyone remember to get the warrant for the car? Uh, you know, and we fill up our life with all of these things. These things aren't necessarily bad, but they fill up our life. Now, I need a volunteer who I've already chosen, Bailey. <laughs> right. These things, these four rocks, represent Big things in our life. Our faith. We can hold the faith. Family and friends. Finances. Physical, mental health. Can you please fit those things into my life for me? Hmm. Doesn't fit. Doesn't fit. There's no room. Sorry, this was faith. Oh, okay, yeah. So I'm not coming to church next week. It doesn't fit. You know, when we try and cram these things in, they don't fit into our life. Okay, here comes the amazing bit. You hold that in there for me. Let's take this stuff out. First time I tested this, I didn't use a funnel. <laughs> okay, thanks Bailey, that's, that's all I need you for. So if I take faith and I put it in the jar, 
And I take friends and family, and I take physical, mental well-being, I take big, important things in my life, and I put them in. And then I take all those little things that are important and matter. Watch what happens. The little things fit in around the big rocks. Fits easily. What's the moral of the story? One of my students said, the moral of the story is you can always cram more into your life. (laughs) (sighs) I said, Chung Hun, go and do some more study. (laughs) The moral of the story is this. Big rocks go in first. Yeah? Big rocks go in first. When you're not sure what to do as you go through your week, make sure the big rocks go in first. Yeah? That's an easy thing to remember, isn't it? You can write that down. Big rocks. I stole that from Stephen Covey, who I think stole it from someone else. I have no idea where the original is, but that's so powerful to me. Get the big rocks first. As Amber said last week, come to church. What an easy way to get the big rocks like. Yeah? If you want to know the way that God wants you to follow, you actually need to read this. This is a big rock. One of the biggest rocks you have to read it. There are lots of different ways. Get, a, get an app if that helps you. Get a group if that helps you. Join a connect group. What a simple thing to do to help get your priorities right. Get the big rocks in first. Okay? Uh, And then the little things will fit around that. And the other thing that we can do is take the pressure off ourselves, be still, and submit to God. See, He's bigger than us. He knows the plan. He knows the way it's going to work. He knows the timing. He knows exactly the plan. We don't have to work so hard. I, I, uh, I went swimming last week and at the moment, I'm suffering because this ear is blocked. And I, I'm pretty sure I'm talking right now, but I can't be certain. <laughs> I didn't want to sing this morning because I couldn't hear I was out of tune. It's really annoying to me. It's like, it's like I'm underwater at the moment. And I'm sort of praying, you know, why, why, God? Just clear my ear out so that I can... Cons-. Actually, if that's part of God's plan, that's part of God's plan. Yeah? And maybe God's trying to teach me something through that. That's okay. Submit to him. Psalm 1.1 says this, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or sit and join in with the mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither. They prosper in all that they do. Their plans are on track. Their plans are going places. What did they do? They just delighted in the word of the Lord. My plan's not working. Okay, we'll just go back to this. It's not happening in my timing. I'll just go back to this. I don't have to worry about the plan. God's got that. I just have to build that relationship with God. And the wonderful thing about submitting to God is that it's not about me. I don't have to pray harder, sing louder, preach longer. You'll be happy to know. It's not about being better. 
It's about learning to rest in the presence of God. Tom said this morning at the nine o'clock meeting, trust in the Lord and all with all your heart. Don't rely on your own understanding. And the second one was be still. Know that I am God. Oh, that's such good news. Yeah. It's Monday morning tomorrow. Oh, I'm going to be at work. Everyone else is going to be, everything's going to happen. God's got it. I'm going to be still. I'm going to know he's God. He's God. You came to church this morning because God's here, I hope. I hope you didn't come because I was here. <laughs> yeah, we come because God is here. It, that just blows my mind. This is 2023. It's a big year. Yeah. Yes, God has plans for all of us. And, and in a moment, there's an opportunity to come up here and to get some prayer. If you don't know what God's plan for your life is, come on up. We'll pray.